This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, going deeper, and I, I hope that's your heart today, is to go deeper in your walk with God, uh, not to get uh, bogged down or weighted down uh, and just kind of remaining in that place when God wants to do things beyond where you are today. And uh, that's what I want in my life. I want to go deeper with the Lord, and I know that there's always deeper to go. And uh, I thank him for it. So this morning I want to read from Second Kings chapter 6. And uh, so I'll read uh, portions of that throughout. And uh, I didn't notice that. That's kind of nice. I like that. Uh, I, it's not, you know, it's great. Anyhow, thank you. Uh, now the king of Syria, in verse 8 of Second uh, Kings 6. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And the man of God sent uh, to the king of Israel... Elisha, not did, and then, well, let me say, Elisha was the man of God uh, that was summoned as uh, um, the Assyrian army sought to make war against Israel. And um, you know, I, I want to say this because I I, I want to join in agreement with what Josh said this morning. You know, a lot of times uh, we don't realize that that we're moving out, we're moving from a position. Of, of strength and divine resource. You know, sometimes we live as though we're always uh, clutching for and trying to, uh, to make ground that way. But I, I thank God that uh, we aren't uh, moving from a p- position of disadvantage. Uh, we're not moving from a position of uh, spiritual mediocrity. You know, God is always excellent in all that he does his nature and his provisions and what he pours into the church is, is a wonderful thing. And uh, Elisha was a man of the Spirit. You know, we think sometimes that the Holy Spirit is really a product of the, the uh, book of Acts. You know, when Jesus promised prior to the time the New Testament church would be born, that the church should wait for the promise of the Father, uh, which would be the Holy Spirit. We sometimes think that it... Um, that the Holy Spirit really was kind of, you know, not really active until that moment, and that's not true. Throughout the Bible, from the book of Genesis through Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit is moving, and He's moving through individuals and people. He's, he comes upon, He moves through, uh, He does miraculous and mysterious, mysterious and miraculous things. And Elisha was a man of God, a prophet, and uh, He he didn't. He, he did not support the corrupt monarchs that uh, had ruled over Israel. But he knew uh, that things could be even worse if the people were brought under or subjugated to the to the Israel uh, to Syria, and therefore he gave the king of Israel information routinely. He became a source of information, critical information, insight to the king of Israel in a time of conflict. And so, uh, you know, he was divinely inspired to share uh, things that could not be known otherwise other than through the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when we think about the day we live, and, you know, I, I realize that we measure our growth by certain standards. You know, we, we go through systems and we, we're uh, awarded in some way for going through those, and that's all part of the growth process. But, you know, there, there's something to, to be realized here that, spiritually speaking, I think it's important for me, I know it is, and it's important for God's church that we go deeper in the Spirit. 
that we dive deeper into the things of the Spirit. Not that we, we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, not that we have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but we, we sometimes uh, uh, misunderstand that uh, there is always deeper that we can dive into the Holy Spirit's person and His movement and in the functions that He gives. And so while we learn the Word and we pray and we do the things that are a part, very critical parts of growing in Christ, may we not leave behind that relationship, that intimate connection with the Holy Spirit that we continue to uh, invest in every day. How many of you have, have made it purposeful to dive into the Holy Spirit every day, deeper? God, you know, I read, we read your word, but how many know the more we dive into the Holy Spirit, the more profound the Scriptures become to our hearts, that God reveals and shows things to us that, you know, that it can't always be revealed through a commentary or a book or Therefore, Holy Spirit of God is able to take us into the truth because He is the Spirit of truth. You know, we think about uh, Elisha's connection with Jehoram, who now sat upon the throne that Ahab had occupied. And uh, the prophet of the Lord is no longer a dreaded antagonist to the king, but he's a trusted advisor. And it's interesting how God can, can develop, groom and develop the relationship that Elisha shows here in the Scriptures where he moves from an, a, a, a thorn in the flesh, an antagonist, to a, a trusted counselor. And I believe in the day that we live, God is going to position believers from the church in places where they become trusted sources of counsel. How many believe with me today that God is going to seed places with Christians who are full of the Holy Spirit that they may be advisors and counselors in this world? Because, you know, we, we are the salt, right? And when you sprinkle salt, it doesn't all just fall in one place. It, it, it's, it falls where, you know, it has different holes through which it falls and places. And, you know, when I think about uh, that, you know, that requires that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, those who are truly going to be seated and planted among the non-believing world to do the things that God has purposed for the church to be doing in this hour will require the Holy Spirit's empowerment and, and direction, period. No apologies for that statement, no clarifications to be made to it, because Jesus had a group of believers who had seen him, walked with him, knew he had been resurrected, but he said, that's still not where I want you to stop. He says, I want you to tarry until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so today, we have to understand that, you know, as has been said from this platform, I think Jeff said it not too long ago, that you know, we focus on the new birth, and that's really the, the key to everything. But, you know, we've got to see what, we've got to walk in the advancement of what God purposed us to do as we mature and grow, and our influence in the world becomes uh, more potent and more powerful as the Holy Spirit is released through us. Well, you, uh, he says, uh, the king realizes that someone's letting the information out. Someone is leaking information or it's getting out somehow. And so he's certain that there's someone in the camp who is, who is leaking information. And so he says, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? 
And, you know, the king of Syria was naturally mystified as to how the king of Israel was able to anticipate his moves. He was convinced that there was a traitor somewhere in the midst. And so, as it was revealed to him that the source of these things was Elisha, who knew the very things that were spoken in the king's bedroom. You know, there's a divine bug planted there. The Holy Spirit was able to discern, knew, and to communicate to Elisha what was being said, even as the king plotted and planned. I want to say this, you know, uh, the church is not in retreat. Uh, we're not hanging on. Come on, we've got to change that mindset because I feel like sometimes we get so connected to the news that we hear that it's like we're just hanging on desperately, praying that somehow we as the church will make it through these terrible dark times. We've got to be taking the gates of hell down, not, not hiding behind the fort, you know, not trying to hide and peer around the, whatever religious construction we make and we look out and see if it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit wants to attack the spiritual command center of darkness. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to, comm- he wants to attack. He doesn't want to be passive. He doesn't want us to, you know, you know there's one thing to being still and knowing that I'm God, and there's another thing to being asleep at the wheel. You know, we cannot be asleep at the wheel. We are not hanging on. Come on, that needs to be changed. It's just like Josh said this morning. We're not moving toward, we're moving from or out of a position of relationship and strength. So how many of you here this morning understand that we're not, we transition away from the thought that we're holding the fort to storming the gates, you know, because you know what? We, we don't need to hold the forts. We need to be proactive, not simply reactive. Sometimes you have to react, but how many of us know the Holy Spirit enables us to be more proactive? Because he reveals the things that we can't know. He shows us the things that haven't happened yet, and he gives us the capabilities to, to move in such a way as though we have information of something that's already happened, which in reality has not happened yet. You say, this is spooky. Well, let me tell you, uh, I, I hear people as they, they ridicule people because they say they're too spiritual. You know, I'm going to tell you, that is not the problem in the church today. The problem is we are too carnal. We do things too much like the world. We're always trying to study up on the world so that we can be more effective among everybody. And I understand some element of that. But you know, if the church is so full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of Christ, those connections will develop naturally. God will direct you and I as he has in scriptures. He brought messengers and people and prophets and preachers and uh, people with a message, and, and, and the connection was divinely made. It wasn't forced or coerced, but as we walk led by the Holy Spirit, how many believe that we are to be led by the Spirit? Not simply led by our own uh, natural cognitive abilities, although it doesn't hurt to use it once in a while, but you and I have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's a distinctive, and you know, if if we're just simply trying to be like someone else or something else, apart from honoring and glorifying God, you can get away with that. 
But the Bible, it shows us that the Holy Spirit exposes the plans of the enemy. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God's speaking to his beloved people in Isaiah. And he says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me. Why would the church engage in a battle with less than a knowledgeable uh, advantage over the objectives of the enemy? Why would we go into a spirit? How do we function in a spiritual conflict if we are behind the curve? If we don't, if we don't have some revelation as to how uh, things are progressing around us and how God intends for us to progress and to advance in a world that is falling apart. You know, how many of you believe that God does not want the church to move about with a less than knowledgeable advantage of the objectives of the enemy? That we have the best reconnaissance in, in the whole, whole, in any place. How many know the Holy Spirit is the best reconnaissance there is? He's the best revelator of all. He's able to show us things we cannot see. You know, he excites the spirit of those who were in the Hebrews chapter 11 who were looking for a place in a country that they had not visually seen yet, but they had set their hopes on. And so as you and I look at the Scriptures, we know that believers must not fight with inferior weaponry. You know, and, you know, you say, well, David went with a sling, but, you know, that really wasn't his primary weapon. You do know that, right? We talk so much about the sling and the stone. How many of you know that the, the Holy Spirit of God propelled that stone into the forehead of the giant? You know, you can have all the weapons you want. And, you know, you know David's weaponry was not a sling and a stone because God had already assured that because David was willing to step out, that the giant was going down. David could have went out there probably with a rubber band and shot him in the forehead, and God would have brought him down. Because it wasn't a stone and it wasn't a sling that killed him. Maybe in the natural it, it was, but not in the spiritual. The devil may be the prince of the power of the air, and he may have a tactical advantage over those blinded to his involvement but God, and I want you to listen to this, God owns the air. God owns the land, right? God owns the land. How many know all the things on the earth, above the earth, and beneath the earth? He owns all of it. And Satan's doing his best to, to take as many down with him as he can. You know, Satan is not a complete idiot. He is a tactical, brilliant, arsonist, murderer thief, liar. He is brilliant. He is more cunning and more shrewd than our intellect can get a hold of. And yet you understand that he realizes this, that God's word tells us in the end that he'll be cast into the lake of fire. Come on, church, that ought to get you a little happy. Uh, Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. The Holy Spirit frustrates the plans of the enemy. How many of you would like to see the enemy frustrated in our schools? And again, I like what, what you know, the things that we've done to, uh, through the ministry here at the church to connect uh, the initiatives that have been taken to connect with teachers and schools and 
and to reach out beyond ourselves into the, into the places where we can make differences. And, you know, so I want to be the man of God. How many of you want to be the, uh, the person of God to whom God speaks and you hear? You know, God's a communicator. You know, we think God's not this far away, distant, removed person that we just try to learn more about, like he's some distant planet in another universe. He is the God of all creation. He is sovereign. He is loving. He is kind. He is holy. And he desires to have an intimate relationship with every person on this planet. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this way, for the Syrians are coming down. And then the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God told him. And thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. You know, it's absolute foolishness to walk into the places of warfare without knowing the battle plans of the enemy, because there's no reason to not know. You know, sometimes there's things in our intellect that we don't know, can't anticipate. But how many of you truly, 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 truly believe that the Holy Spirit knows what all's going on? And if that spirit is in you, how many of you know he's going to enlarge your vision of the field? He's going to deepen your understanding of things that you can't understand in the natural intellect. So, you know, when you do these things and you step forward in faith and you, you dive deeper into the things of the spirit, you must understand this. Not everyone's going to appreciate that because, you know, sometimes the natural man strives to set up what the natural man knows. And that, but if you're going to walk in the Spirit of God, you're going to sometimes uh, really uh, come into a place of uh, friction, even in the church. Because over the years, I've heard people ridicule people because of their, 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 their you know, the fact that they're Holy Spirit dependent, and they talk so much about walking in the Spirit and being led, and they pray uh, prayers that seem to be foolish and, and do things that don't seem to make sense. You know, I want to accommodate more fully in my life the things that God believes are essential, no matter who else thinks they're foolish. Come on, church. And when Jesus smeared mud on the guy's eyes, it didn't make any sense, right? When Jesus did a lot of things, it didn't make any sense to people. You know, when Jesus said to the people, unless you eat my body and drink uh, my blood, uh, you, you know, you, you, you're not going to make it. And then they walked away and said, we can't understand this. We, we got to get away from this guy. And then Jesus looks at his trusted followers and he said, will you two leave as well? And Peter knew that God, the Lord possessed the truth. And he was the possessor of the things that they needed to know. Why would we, the church, be uncounseled and unprepared, conducting business as though we are ignorant of the Holy Spirit around us? In Acts 19, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I like this portion of Scripture, and I like all of them, but this one really brings to, to me the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because uh, they said so. They said to him, We have not as much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said they had, they had been water baptized by John the Baptist. 
But you know, there's something even beyond that that God wants to give to his church. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. When you stand in the water, you get in the water, it's a testimonial. When you go beneath the water, it's the, the, the symbolic uh, uh, testimony that the person you once were has died in Christ and has been cleansed and has been raised up to walk in newness of life. And therefore, the baptism by water is a witness of your, your rebirth. But Jesus, uh, or, or Paul, or, or, uh, Paul, as he begins to speak to the, to the believers here, he said, when they heard this, or Peter, when they heard this, they, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he and Paul had laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. You know, another interesting uh, um, example in Scripture is this, that the, uh, Apollos was a man who, who knew the Word. He was a man who was very qualified in terms of knowing the Scriptures, uh, he was very studied and educated, and yet the Scripture says in Acts 18, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and he was a, a great speaker, he was a great communicator, he was mighty with his knowledge of the Scriptures. He came to Ephesus, uh, and this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. Uh, he spoke and taught things accurately, uh, the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So Priscilla and Aquila, I believe, later take him and they sit down and explain to him more completely the way that God was moving in the New Testament church and the, I believe the availability of the Holy Spirit as he knew but the water baptism that had been afforded. The sources of discernment. Discernment comes from knowing the Word of God. If you're going to use the right weapons in this world, you have to. Have, if you're going to fight the right war with the right uh, right enemy, you have to use the right weapons. Hebrews five thirteen says, "Anyone who lives on milk, is being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness." But solid food is for the mature, those who uh, those who by constant use have drained themselves as to distinguish. Or to discern good from evil. Uh, the Hebrew, uh, the writer of Hebrew describes the church as being spiritual infants because they were living on milk and not on the solid food of the word. He said that believers had not matured because they did not constantly use the scripture and therefore struggled between distinguishing good from evil as an infant would. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know, in ancient armor, it was the belt that held all the other pieces together. And so it is the truth of God's Word that brings all of it together. All of it comes back to the Word of God. All of it is, uh, is uh, like that uh, belt that cinched up and tied up those, all the other elements that that warrior would have and need. Discernment from, uh, it requires understanding human nature. You know, it's interesting because sometimes we think discernment is this real uh, mysterious uh, revelation that we receive about things, but sometimes I, I believe we fail to recognize that you can't trust human nature, period. 
You cannot trust human nature. And that's not an insult in saying that we can't trust different people on certain levels. But how many of you know if you could trust human nature completely, we would never have any problems? We wouldn't have Fox News and we wouldn't have all these other things reporting all of the terrible things that are going on in the world. Discernment comes from understanding human nature because as we walk among people, we have to discern between the spiritual and the flesh. There are things that are not bad, but they are not God. You know, there are things that we purpose to do that might sound really good, but they may not be really God's work, God's advancement. And so we have to discern. And sometimes, even when we are are convinced that the Holy Spirit is leading us and moving in our lives, sometimes the resistance becomes firm or hard or stiff. And we have to discern that this is not a battle of flesh and blood, and we have to be aware of the human nature. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't entrust himself to anyone. He didn't, he, he, the, the, because he knew the nature of man, that there were many who followed him for the loaves and the fish, but they didn't follow him because of who he was. He says here, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for the man, for he knew what was in a man. Jesus understood that even though the crowds followed, it didn't genuinely mean that they were genuinely committed to him. Nonetheless, he loved them and he served and he continued to act with diligence and character among them. Christ did not commit to the crowds because he knew the nature of them. It is really important that we understand that part. Because sometimes uh, there is that discernment that's needed between the flesh and the spirit. Not sometimes, all the time. Discernment comes from prayer. You know, without prayer, there's no discernment. There is no discernment to be found without the Word and without Scripture. And this is my prayer, uh, Paul says in Philippians 1, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Therefore, as we look in the Scriptures now and back to 2 Kings 6, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? The Holy Spirit makes spirit-filled and active believers known in the spirit realm. There are so many people in the Bible who became known to the unbelievers, the pagans, because they were known as people filled with the Spirit of God. And they they were known by people who did not know the God that they were talking about, but they knew these people were, and we're just going to, as we we move into the conclusion of this, we're going to just highlight some of the people who the, the world became aware of because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they became essential parts in the culture. That's what we need today in the United States is that we need spirit-filled people who are stepping out into the opportunities that God opens for them because otherwise all we do is sit and complain. You know, it's easy to complain. You know, I, I don't usually say a whole lot, uh, but I was reading a, a sports thing and everybody was condemning this this uh, one player, you know, he's a new young, young player, and, and uh, it just annoyed me so badly because everybody's railing, and they, they were evaluating this kid, and they said he gets a D plus. And I thought, how generous. 
And I just wrote a note. I said, it's amazing how we armchair quarterbacks are so fluent in giving grades out to people who are doing what we could never do. You know, and sometimes when you think about it, uh, we have, we, we, we just have to continue to believe and move forward to be filled and, and not be stymied when, when others are against you. Some of the opposition will come from without, uh, among the unsaved, and unfortunately at times it comes from within. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit, grasp, not grasping, but welcoming, embracing all that God's Holy Spirit wants to introduce in our personal lives. And one uh, and the Bible, and Holy Spirit makes spirit-filled and active believers known. And the servant said, "None, my lord, O king." But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. How many believe if the Holy Spirit could do it then, He can do it now? I mean, you know, come on. Is, it, is the Bible just a history book to you? Something you read and, you know, well, it's good stuff, it's inspiring, but he doesn't do that anymore. How many of you know the essential nature of God has not changed? Who God is has not changed. You understand that? God has not evolved to, to fall into alignment with the culture. God is God and the culture will bow before him. Every culture, every kindred, tribe, nation, and tongue will bow before the Lord. You understand, right? And so as we look, if you're going to go around speaking in Jesus' name, you better know him. You better be speaking as authorized by him. Because in Acts 19, 15, the, there, was, uh, uh, there was an evil spirit who had plagued the people. And there were these itinerant uh, exorcist who went about uh, uh, using the name of Jesus uh, to cast, try to cast out devils. And here's what the evil spirit said. I, uh, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? And then the beating was on. And they got beat up and sent away, humiliated. Because, you know, we, we want to move in the authentic authority of Christ. That personal intimate power that God gives us to live everyday life. It's not about what necessarily what God's going to do through you corporately, but it's what God's going to do in you and through you every day of your life. Satan and his minions are aware of the opponents to their scheme. Is the devil aware of you today? Is the devil aware of me today? Does the, does the devil really take any notice of what we're doing? Because, or do we make so little a disturbance in the spiritual world that he has no concern? We decide that. If we, you know, people say, oh, you're super spiritual. Let me tell you, I will go to a Holy Spirit-filled person to pray with me over, a nine, you know, over, over anybody. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what your position in life is. If there's a man or woman of God who are filled with the Word and filled with the Holy Spirit, that's who I want to pray for me. How about you? I mean, I'm not going through just a ritual pray, Lord, the same thing as yesterday, only a day later. I want someone who believes and is operating in an anointing that God has placed. We're almost done here. And Christ and the Spirit of God within you makes you an equipped warrior. The spiritual weaponries uh, are given to bring down strongholds. Second Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These, these frameworks that enslave the mind and, 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 and seduce the, the mind into believing uh, one's superiority over the things of God. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. The Holy Spirit defeats the plans of the enemy. And so uh, it says, go, go and see, verse 13, where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. And then, therefore, they sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out there, was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? When there's trouble about, how many of you appreciate the company of spirit-filled believers? I mean, there's a difference. How many believe there's a difference? And you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing anyone with anyone because God knows who we all are, and that's all that really needs to be known. He knows, and He'll reveal to us everything that He sees because He knows it all. So, but I am saying this: that I prefer someone who it walks in humility and in the authority of God's word to pray and to walk with. Because I don't need someone to agitate my spirit, my flesh. I don't need someone to excite me to do something that isn't necessarily the plan of God, the right response. You know, it's interesting that when the servant comes and he tells Elisha, you know, we're, we're surrounded He says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I mean, how many of you believe that today? Come on now. I mean, how many of you really, truly believe that today? Not because you read it and someone told you it was so, but you have read it and you have found it to be true, that God always has more for you than against you. Because if he doesn't, he must have retired he got weary and said, I can't keep this up, too demanding. But I, the God I know from Scripture and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit isn't that God. He's a God of surplus. He's a God of superiority. He's a God of power. He's a God of might. Elisha prays, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. You see, Nehemiah could see things that others couldn't see because the Holy Spirit was revealing things to him that he didn't know naturally. It wasn't because he was intelligent or bright or brilliant. It was because he was connected with God. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The church needs leadership in every place who believe that God is with us, who believe that God with us is greater than all of the things that have formed against us, who believe that everything that we're doing in this house is part of kingdom advancement, and so we will knock down the gates of hell because this is the advancement of the kingdom of God. 
Well, the rest of the story is, you know, Elisha prayed that God would blind the the Syrians and he led them down into Samaria and when they, the people there wanted to know if they should kill them he said no feed them and make a feast for them and let's let them go and the neat thing was it says Syria didn't come back anymore I'm going to ask you this morning here this is personal this isn't just corporate this isn't for the whole church alone this is for you and I, the Holy Spirit is the indwelling and active presence of God within the church today. The Holy Spirit imparts higher wisdom. First Corinthians 2, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages, which none of the rulers of this age do. The Holy Spirit reveals the giftings of God. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love them. Hear this, church. Please hear this today. It says, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Come on, church. You know that He shows us the things that are too marvelous for our comprehension. And if we serve and we worship from a, a mindset that is so overwhelmed by the revelation of God, the miraculous follows. Because we try to drum it up sometimes. And we want to make it happen. And we want to make it happen. But when you get people who are, uh, the revelation of God is, they're open to what the Holy Spirit is showing them. And he's searching out the things that cannot be revealed or known apart from him. And our mind is illuminated with the Holy Spirit's tutoring. And if you think any of this is untrue, you can read the, the whole Bible on the New, Test, the New Testament, especially about the Holy Spirit. But God has revealed them to us. He revealed to Elisha what was going on. God reveals to us those deeper things. I'm sorry. This is one time I'm going to inch this toward the end here because I, I want to get through this. I gave a lot of notes today, and I'm trying my best to stay online. The Holy Spirit gives utterance to those which only the spiritual man can receive. You know, it's a joke to those who look, and sometimes it's even a joke, unfortunately, among believers. We mock what we don't understand. We ridicule. I don't think that's the disposition that God wants us to have. That's not discernment. That's folly. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And he finishes by saying, we have the mind of Christ. like to just for a moment stand. We'll have you stand long. I promise I won't. It'll be under three hours. No, it won't be that long. The Holy Spirit makes a difference. The Holy Spirit makes a difference. He always glorifies the Lord. He always makes Jesus the focal point of our worship, of our activities, of the things that we do. 
And he's distinct, his, his distinction is recognized and sought even among unbelievers in times of crisis. Moses and the elders, let me just read you these in closing because I, I said I was going to give you examples. Moses, Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands on him. Joshua, Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for he had Moses laid his, his hands on him. Gideon, Judges chapter 6, But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. Saul, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Caleb, Numbers chapter 24, verse, or 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. David, Psalm 51, 11. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You seeing something here? Daniel. I love Daniel. Never met the guy, but man, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit's introduced me. But at last, Daniel 4.8 came before me. It says, his name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. Daniel 4.9, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you. And no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream. Daniel 4.18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of the kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the Spirit of God, the Holy God, is in you. Come on, church. That's what the world needs to see in you and me. That's what needs to be in operation today. Let's stop reading the headlines and get plugged into the scriptures and into allowing God to download into our hearts that which is necessary to make a difference in the world that we live. Daniel 5.11, there is a man in your kingdom whom is the spirit and in whom the spirit of the holy God is. Daniel 5.14, I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you. Do you hear that? He says, I've heard of you. We're talking about pagans, right? I have heard of you. Come on, don't you want the world to hear that the Holy Spirit is up to something in your life? He's doing something through you. I'm kind of charged right now. I'm sorry. I can't, you know, normally I would only preach an hour and 25 hours. Uh, but I'm only, I'm just not done yet, quite yet. Because I'm realizing more and more every day, I can't make this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. And I need Holy Spirit in my life to just do something I can't do to go where he wants me to go. I, I, don't, I can't be listening to all the different voices that sometimes get roll around through your head telling you all kinds of things. You have to have that personal relationship with God. And you, need, you and I need to listen to him and invite him to speak. He says, I've heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent and wisdom are found in you. Zechariah says, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, true worshipers, do you hear that? True worshipers, not uh, not spiritual idolaters, not spiritual traditionalists who are merely tradition because it's what they've always done. Or somebody just running around looking to invent something new for the sake of doing something new. You know, the Holy Spirit will introduce everything as needed. But the, whole, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him. How? In spirit and in truth. Almost done. John 16, 13. I wanted to download all these scriptures for you. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Christian walk is a spirit walk, spiritual walk, led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The priority of the Holy Spirit is seen in the outpouring, Acts 1-4. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me, Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Three places, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound as of from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the, Gen- uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, were. there's always a distinction, but God brings them together in Christ. And those uh, of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, uh, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard from them, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And the last portion of Scripture, and to me, it's probably, well, probably the most important for everyday life. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, this morning as we, we've come into the house of God, I hope you're not, to, I know we, we I, you know, really thank those who care for your kids because they got to put up with me, but you can always slip out early and if you need, as you need to, to, to take care of that. But you know, this morning, the only crisis that really the church needs to be concerned with right now, and I'm not saying there aren't other things that we are concerned about, but the thing that we need to be most concerned about is whether or not we as individual believers and we as the corporate church are filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That's the one thing we 
determined. You know that, right? If you're open and you're hungry, God will fill you. If you invite him in, he'll come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He said, uh, and he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Let's just take a moment and put our hands before the Lord and say, God, this is the, the day, of, an exciting day. It might be a perilous times. It might be troubling times. There may be wars and rumors of wars. There may be earthquakes in diverse places. But you are still God, and your spirit is still moving through your church, and it will not be deterred by what happens on the left or on the right, what happens in front of us or what happened behind us. Holy Spirit, move in this church. How many know your kids and mine? We have a whole generation that really don't know much about the Holy Spirit. We have kids that don't know a whole lot. Oh, they hear teachings about it and they see, but they really haven't seen it. They haven't seen it. So how, you know, we're, we're thinking, how can we get our kids interested? How, how can we do, well, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this, let's do that. How about let's let God do something incredible in such a way that it's astonishing. Lord, we invite you. How many here will say, God, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to plug in. I'm going to plug in that when I come into this church in Bethel, I'm going to be plugged in that as God taps me on the shoulder and says, I want you to move among others and to share the gift that I have given you to build others up in that time that is, that is appropriate by God's hand. How many here want to be active prayer? You know, we talk about prayer warriors, you know, prayer warriors, prayer warriors. But you know what? You can be a prayer warrior and no one even know you're a prayer warrior. I don't have to tell anybody I'm a prayer warrior. You know that? I don't have to tell anybody that. But I can be. You can be. Lord, pour the Holy Spirit out. Raise your hands up today. If you say, God, I, I, you've awakened me this morning uh, to how important the, the Spirit of God is. Throughout the chronology of, of Scripture, right through to the end, the Holy Spirit plays such a powerful role in the advancement of God's purposes. It's the Holy Spirit that set Stephen apart. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, noted of him. No one else was it noted of by person when they chose those who would serve. But Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many here want to be filled to overflow? You say, I'm afraid of what that will mean, what that will do, how that will make me act, how that will. God doesn't make you do anything. God uh, will move and he is, will move through you and he will overwhelm your, your fears and your reluctances. I'm going to ask you this morning, can we corporately together as Tammy plays, can, can, can we ask for God to, to pour out a, a fresh, fresh out pouring of the Holy Spirit into our lives? We need new wine. We need new wine. The Bible tells us about new wine. We don't want to be brittle, torn, uh, brittle uh, wineskins that can't handle the expansion of what new wine brings. Lord, we want that new wine here in our lives. Go ahead, Tammy, if you play us, would you just have reach out to the Lord as maybe you sing this with an earnest heart and just say, God, I want to be filled so full of you that, Lord, I see things that I need to see to do things that you've called me to do, to be the light set on a certain hill.
Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.